Let me start off this morning with a, a story about a very strange part in our country's history and pretty recent. You're just looking at the 1980s and the 1990s. These events took place in Los Angeles, California. Peter Houlihan did a, a great study on this, but simply what took place in 1980s Los Angeles, a bank was robbed every hour of every day. That is 17,000 bank robberies every year in Los Angeles, California. We'll talk about why and why did it last that long before it was put to a stop. Los Angeles has 10,000 square miles of city. There are 17 million people in LA. The banks at that time tried to make it appear if you came into their lobby like you were entering into a living room. And so they didn't have security guards, no special plexiglass, no security doors. They wanted it to look like you were home to make people more attracted to the banks. That lack of security was reason one why bank robberies became so popular. Some people would rob six banks in a day. The next reason Los Angeles was the center is because Los Angeles has 17 million people, 6 million cars, 1,000 miles of freeway. That many people that many cars means they need a lot of freeway ramps and the freeway ramps are literally everywhere so somebody could rob a bank and be on the highway blend into the crowd within two minutes reason it was left and it went on that long it was not violent at the time a lot of the bank robbers would simply walk in with a note say please give me the money they politely say thank you and leave Law enforcement was focused on violence that was happening with the gangs. Banks could simply write off the losses, but that all changed in September 5th, 1991, when a large robbery took place and an employee of the bank, unfortunately on the news, answered a question he was not supposed to. The interviewer asked how much money was stolen, and he said half a million dollars. So that went out across the airwaves and all these other criminals that had been involved in other crimes heard you can make a bank robbery and maybe become rich and there's no real risk, no security. The ones that got involved though that changed things were the gangs because when they got involved suddenly this did become a, a violent act. The next big change took place February 28, 1997. This is the, kind of the last famous moment of this Larry Phillips and Emil Maseranu two middle-class men fathers husbands no criminal background apparently decided they'd watch some movies and they thought it would be exciting to rob banks and so they started to do that they robbed banks for over a million dollars money still missing to this day but on February 28th they decided they they wanted to to go out in this you know, big gun fire, gunfight. And so what happened is they robbed a bank and they waited outside for the police to arrive. And these two men were in this body armor. They had automatic rifles. Many people saw this as the news captured it live. And they got into this large gunfight. They fired 1,700 rounds. Nine officers were wounded. 85 vehicles were damaged by the gunfire. After that, things took a radical turn. The laws changed quickly. Prison sentences became 20 years to life. And security was put back into the banks. It brought an end to what we then knew at that time. So much so, today, about 200 banks are robbed per year. That is down again from 17,000. 
But it's an interesting look at this idea. Courtney Stevens put it well when he said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And Easter is about a moment where everything can change because of the truth that is brought through in this moment. So whatever your life is about right now, my life, it can be something that can change in a moment. We're all in this kind of challenging time. Some people are, are in quarantine. Others are on hold for their jobs or lost their jobs. Others haven't seen family and friends in a while. But Easter is a time to stop and say, you know what, everything can change because we choose to do something with our faith. We choose to take action. Again, if nothing changes, nothing changes. But if we say, you know what, Easter is the ultimate opportunity to make change. We've talked often about life is meaning. The meaning is what we make of a moment. At any moment, what is wrong is always available. So is what is right. You know, is God testing me? Or is God abandoning me? Or is he trying to teach me? You know, now we look at things where people are in this unrest, uncertainty uh, about the virus and what's going to happen in life. You know, Easter is the promise that God is that solid rock. He's that strong tower we can run into. That Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Uh, again, Good Friday was about this darkness. But the meaning is that Jesus laid down his life that we might have freedom and true life. Life is about the meaning. It's our job then to find the benefit of what that meaning is, no matter what the moment is. In this promise, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3.16 to see one of the, the most wonderful summaries of the life of Jesus the Christ to show us again anything can change in a moment when we choose to say yes to what he offers. 1 Timothy 3.16 says God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. The first line there, God was manifested in the flesh. Not a man, not a teacher, not a prophet. Christ was all those things, of course, but so much more. He was God, the word made flesh, the divine, the eternal one. So the promise is, if God was manifested in the flesh, Christ himself, is there anything then he can't do for you and for me? Brian Bill shared this last week, just three truths for this time with the promise that God was manifest in the flesh. He says, one, his promise is he is for you. His presence is he is with you. His power is he is above you. Because Jesus is God made flesh, he can do all things. And the promise is he's on our side. His presence is no matter if you're quarantined in your home, wherever you are, the promise is he is with you. And his power is he's above you. He's above all things. And so he's able to accomplish all things. Again, we've talked before when people are in stress or fear, we have that, you know, the, the nervous system, it has the fight response, the flight response, the freeze response. But as Tony Robbins says, you know, if we're always fighting, there's no peace. If we're always running away, nothing gets solved. If we freeze and don't make a decision, then nothing changes. And the way out of that fear is gratitude and taking action. You know, where other people might be in the conflict and the wrestling and the fear and fighting and running away or freezing, not knowing what to do. It's time now for those in, in faith to share, you know, let me show you how you can have peace because God manifested in the flesh in Christ that we don't have to be afraid no matter what's taking place in culture or in the world. Tony Robbins said it well, our biggest problem is we think we shouldn't have problems. 
Our biggest problem is we think we shouldn't have problems. It's the old idiom, you know, people say I love surprises, but we like the surprises that we want. The surprises that come into our life we don't want, that's what we label a problem. You see, but problems, they're a sign of life. They're a sign of growth. It's a signal that something needs to change. And so whatever that problem might be, it's a, it's a signal to say, you know what, it's something that I need to pay attention to and say, what do I need to do different? Again, if nothing changes, then nothing changes. But if we come to this moment of Easter and say, you know what, God is manifest in the flesh to lay down his life, to take it back up again, to show me the truth. Again, what shall I fear? The next part of Paul's statement says he was justified in the spirit. Justified means to show true. And it also means to be without guilt. Because Christ is the way, the truth, the life, and he is the guiltless one. His promise is that he has taken our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. So now we are without that guilt. The trade-off is he gave his righteousness that sin might be destroyed in our life. Then again, is the promise now without that guilt, without the weight of that sin on our shoulder. Again, how much more freedom there is day to day in life. You know, Palm Sunday, one of the the famous moments that I'm sure we're all familiar with is Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem. And again, why did he ride a donkey? If you were a conquering king, you would enter a city on on a stallion. And you think how intimidating that was, an army of horses and the king on this horse and the people looking up, intimidated. That's a conquering king. In that culture, a donkey, think of the contrast there, was a symbol of peace. So Jesus didn't ride into Jerusalem on on this big steed. He rode on, on a donkey because he was saying, let me show you how you can have peace in life. Peace even in the storms. Peace in your heart and peace with God because your sins can be taken away. He offers that peace to us in the call for us is that we reach out and take that again if nothing changes nothing changes but if we change and say you know what i receive what he offers then you can know the rest in that storm lorraine day put it well if he allows something into your life nothing can stop it if he doesn't allow it then it can't happen but if he allows it he promises to walk through it with you Again, we're all in, in kind of unique situations right now, and some it's, it's more difficult than others. But the challenge is, again, no matter who we are, where we are, because he's manifest in the flesh, God in the flesh, he's always with us. He walks through the valleys with us that we might have no fear. We might then know victory and growth. Paul says next, he was seen by angels and preached among the Gentiles. Remember, they're at the tomb on Easter morning, Mary arrives, and then later the disciples, the angel says what? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, just as he told you. The angels witnessed all of this. The world was able to see it. Again, seen by angels. Then he was preached among the Gentiles as the disciples went forth and taught about the the resurrection. They turned the world upside down. Mark Joby, president of Moody College, a few days ago said, Our location has changed, but our mission remains the same. The mission to to live in Christ, to represent Christ, whether that location is the grocery store, at work, at home, 
Our location may have changed, but our mission remains the same. This gentleman here is somebody who has shared that mission in just about every country around the world. This is Tim Lee. Tim Lee grew up in, in a church where his father was a pastor. When he became a teenager, though, he kind of walked away from that faith. He joined a, a college, but they kicked him out. He was a, a troublemaker. So he joined the Marine Corps. He went to Vietnam, and he shared he was out on a routine patrol, and he stepped on a 60-pound landmine. And he said the explosion should have killed him, but it did not. He would lose both his legs. He said what changed for him, though, the medic in the, hosp- the, medic in the helicopter on the way to the hospital began to pray for him. And then Tim joined him in that prayer, committed his life to God. And he said since that incident, you know, he spent eight months in the hospital. He's now in a wheelchair for life. 13 surgeries, but he said, I've not been angry at God or upset at God. I didn't shake my fist at God. I've just said, you know, God, I'm here to serve you. And he's done that with with passion and just commitment. But he writes this for you, for me. He says, don't run any further from God. Turn around and run to God today. He waits with arms wide open and he will, just like the prodigal son's dad, throw you a party. He will welcome you home You'll be forgiven, and here's the key. You can make the rest of the days of your life count for God. Next, Paul says this. He was believed on in the world and received up in glory. Again, the call for you, for me, is to believe the promise of Christ that says, you know what, that he's Messiah, that he's God manifest in the flesh, that he takes our sin away. He laid down his life, and he took it back up again. And it's our job to believe that and to know he's been received up into glory. The scripture says now he reigns at the right hand of the father until all things are brought under his feet. But before that received up in glory, before that was Easter. So let's talk about those events for a moment here. Famous, famous uh, gentleman here, Emperor Qin in China in 259 BC. You may not recognize the name, but you'll recognize the, the legacy he left. He was known to be just terrified of death. He launched armies into the sea to search for these stories about legendary immortals somewhere on an island in the middle of the ocean. And then where we know him today, he commissioned half a million people to build life-size clay terracotta warriors to be buried in his tomb to protect him in the next life. You may not know this, though. He had 7,000 of those terracotta warriors built. 7,000 of those are there in his tomb. Such was his fear of death. As a philosopher once said, I have two questions in life. Has anybody ever beaten death? And two, has he made a way for me to do it? Well, let's take a look at that for a moment. Hebrews 2.9 says, Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for every man. Tasted death means he experienced it for every man. He did that because he was the one to defeat death and to make a way for you and me to do that. We all have some sense of fear of death, but in Christ, that fear is removed to just an amazing extent. Because we can say, you know what, I trust that he is God manifest in the flesh that he is the justified one who justified me. 
And he was received up in the glory to show that he is truly the Christ. I've quoted this verse more, more than any other verse, but it's John 19.30. Last words of Jesus on the cross where he says, it is finished. That is one word in the, the Greek. It is te telestai. It is finished. In the first century, that word was used in two arenas. The first one was in the criminal justice system. If you were a prisoner, you'd be placed in a cell. They would nail to the door your name, under that, the crime you committed, and under that, how long your sentence was. So it might say, John Doe, thief, three years. After that three years, you were let out of that cell. They took that paper off of that door and they would write across it, Tay to less die. It is finished. It also means paid in full. So if that person was in town and he got stopped, some guard maybe said, aren't you supposed to be in prison? He could pull out that piece of paper and say, no, Tay to less die. I paid in full my prison sentence. The other arena where that word was used was in taxes. If somebody was behind on their taxes, once they paid their debt, they would take their taxes and give them a receipt and stamp, take to less die, paid in full. So on a practical level, what does that mean for your life, for my life? We all have sin in our life, but Jesus paid for the past sin, the present sin, future sin but the devil comes along and and he's gonna say to us you know i know what you did you know last week six years ago 25 years ago and it's your job and my job to simply say you know what here is the record against me and you'll notice it is stamped take to less die paid in full i bear those sins no more because the justified one god manifest in the flesh has taken that sin and he's washed it away. I don't bear that burden of debt to pay, a debt we could not pay. We don't carry that burden of guilt any longer. And we're told as we resist the devil and that guilt and say, you know what? I don't carry that any longer. It's been paid in full. He has no option but to flee. You see, if nothing changes, nothing changes. But Easter is that moment that says everything changed in that statement, it is finished. And some people may have been playing church and maybe they've just been dabbling in faith. And Easter's a time to say, you know what? Here's the moment where everything can be changed. Here's the moment where you can come to the one who's tasted death for every man and say, you know what? I trust that you entered into life just as he entered into Jerusalem to bring a peace that surpasses all understanding that you can make the rest of the days of your life count for God. Again, our location has changed, but our mission remains the same. And he is the one who was seen by angels and preached among the nations, reaching out to you and to me to say, listen, I laid down my life. I took it back up again to take away the fear of death, but also to conquer sin because he became that sacrifice on our behalf. He is that one whose blood was shed, that our sins might be washed white as snow. We don't have to live in then the fear. We don't have to do the fighting, the running away, 
the freezing. We can say in any moment, you know what? I know the promises. He is with me. I know the promises, his presence and his power is above me. And so he is stronger than any fears that anybody has. And we can walk through this time, this unrest without that fear. Because we know the one tells us. Again, life is meaning. Any moment, again, what's wrong is available, and so is what's right. When problems come into our life, it's our job to find the lesson there and say, okay, what is this signaling to me that now changes need to be made? Take to lest die. It is finished. It is paid in full. We carry the sin no more. We no longer have to live with a fear of death. Rather, we can simply say, you know what, in him... I know I am complete in him. I know there's nothing to fear because in him there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And eternal life has been given because he chose by his grace to embrace us as we are in our sin to take us from who we are to where he calls us to be. I close with a quote here from Peter Hyatt. I've shared this before, but he summarizes just a powerful way, the the meaning of, again, Easter morning, the empty tomb. Why do you search for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Peter Hyatt says it like this. One day they'll drop you in a grave and you'll feel a touch. You're not insane. Now you're sane. A voice will say, friend, let's get out of here. I beat this place. And then you will see him that is knowing the promise god manifest in the flesh that we might be justified carry guilt no more and simply rest in the peace that he brings day to day moment to moment the solid rock on which we stand